Welcome to Toxicology, brought to you by Recovery Unplugged, the place where we talk about all things substance abuse, recovery, and mental health, with guests offering varying perspectives and viewpoints. Hosts Joseph Gorordo and Jason Cabello share about their addiction and recovery and other serious subject matter through lighthearted yet candid conversation. One, two, three, shoot. You. Am I you, doing you. it? You. Intro. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Toxicology, greatest podcast in the known universe about all things addiction, mental health, recovery, caffeinated, sparkling waters, um, full body suit tattoos. We cover it all. E- e- 35 milligrams of caffeine. That's it? Yeah. 35? It's probably like, you know how people say that in champagne, the bubbles? Mm-hmm. The bubbles and the caffeine. Okay. All right. Not a sponsor just yet, but if you uh, come across the good, I can't have my glasses on. This one. Good and gather. Good and gather carbonated. That's Target brand. Caffeinated. There That's you Target's go. brand. Brought to you by Target. 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 How you doing, toxicology? Toxies. 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 How you doing, Toxies? You have a you have a name now. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. You, you listening you, at home. You've arrived. You're a toxie. <laughs> you know, um, so we did an episode of toxicology a while back. You actually weren't here. It was just me um, mm-hmm. with uh, Miles Walker, who's mm-hmm. one of the therapists right. at uh, at RU specifically in the trauma program. trauma therapy. Yeah. And he has started like every couple of weeks. He'll show that episode of toxicology to the clients. Oh, okay. And and it's real funny because like if they haven't met me, they'll see me at the facility and be like, "You're the guy from the show." Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And then also, fun fact that I think you'd appreciate: some of our like newer like intern type counselors have started to listen to random episodes of the show just to kind of like. Learn more about addiction, learn more about different topics within addiction, you know, especially the ones that aren't in recovery themselves. And they said that that this podcast has been really great for them to help, you know, start to kind of understand more about the addiction stuff you don't learn about in school. You know, we provide a service. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good that to cool? hear. Yeah. yeah. Glad it's just not going uh, unlistened. No, no. It's, people listen to the show, right? Y'all, y'all are listening right now, right? Yeah. The sound of tumbleweeds. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't they talking back to us? Yeah, I don't know. We don't do that anymore. Dude, I miss that so much. Yeah. We used to if you're if you're new to the, the program, we used to do live we used to live stream. Yeah. Um on, on Facebook, Facebook and YouTube. And YouTube. And we used to get some interactions. We used to get a lot of interaction. Like of- our regular folks that came in every week. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And uh, th- that is one thing that I miss about the old thing. But I do, <clears throat> I think I've talked about this before on the show that I am not a person who enjoys working from home. Yeah. So one, any element that could get me out of the house for work is therapeutic for yeah. me. Um, I just, it uh, it's not one of those things that works for me at all. You know, why, why don't we ask people to send in questions? I don't know. Every podcast I listen to, like at the end, they're like, hey, you know, you can reach us at info at whatever, whatever podcast.com. That's a, that's a, that's huge. Yes. This is riveting content <laughs> for the listener at home. No, Take well, the listener at home. Executive decision. We now have an official toxicology mailbox. It's my email address. <laughs> Should I just give them my email address? Give it, don't, I would, uh, not don't we have a toxicology email address i don't know i think we do look if we do we're going to insert it in post and it's right here the official toxic and if you're listening it's uh well we'll dub it in <laughs> toxicology.pod at recovery unplugged Dot com. Look, I'm sorry. I'm feeling a little silly. I had, no, you're I had, man. I'm, uh, I'm jealous. I had some afternoon caffeine, and I'm going on a little three day vacation tomorrow. That's right. You are. You're. You're in uh, yeah. prime prime giddiness. Yeah, I'm giddy. I like it. It's nice to feel giddy. It's good. You know, it's a blessing of recovery. Like you know, in addiction, there's nothing to look forward to. 
Nothing. Yeah. I'm I'm in one of those I need to be more grateful for what I have things yeah. because I'm in such a funk today. There's just so much with the new house. Yes. We've talked about this on the show before that um, my partner Gabby and I have recently bought a house and it's a pretty, it's a pretty big, it's, it's more house than I've ever lived in yeah. and, you know, in my adult life. And we have a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff to do. And every time like, we're still unpacking and we're getting stuff delivered and we're getting a bed for the guest bedroom. And it sounds like just bullshit. Yeah. Like if I heard when I, when I was living in a fucking public bathroom and heard somebody bitching about this stuff, I would have been pissed, but it is. I got a public bathrooms and listen to people. Yeah, I listen to podcasts when I live in, you know, I could charge my phone in there. Yeah. I could, you know, do my dope in there yeah. and, uh, you know. Do you want a pep talk? Do you want me to like fucking... No, I just, it's, it's, it, I, mean, listen, I, I need to look within. Listen. I need to look within and I realize that. You have a I, house. I have a, I have an amazing life now. And yeah. for me to just be like humdrum about it and be like, mm, yeah. too many Amazon packages on right? the porch. I got to go to my podcast today. <sighs> Where? Yeah. Yeah. So I get it. And I, and I'm well aware of it. However, like I just I gotta go to the house with my beautiful girlfriend and unpack right, all our my cool, cool stuff, stuff, all my skateboards oh. and stuff and paintings and artwork. You know, we don't have the kitchen set up. We'll probably have to order takeout. I have <laughs> discovered Instacart. Oh my god, where have you been? Because I like the grocery store, so I've always yeah. been like, I'll just do it. But when I was on the road with Kiss, I needed some stuff, and it was like. You know, I, I I had one day off and I wanted to go to the gym and then like sleep in and not have to get an Uber to go to the grocery store. So I was like, you know what, I'll, let me try this Instacart thing. So then, then I tried it when I got home and I didn't realize that I had like signed up for the, you know, if you use it more than whatever time and then you're signed up for the service yeah, so yeah, you yeah. get the free delivery. Yeah. I've already, uh, it's already paid for itself. It's fucking worth it. With the time spent. Yeah. And, um... Instacart, man. I'm Dude, becoming I get a the, modern modern man. I get the Uber One. You pay like nine ninety nine a month for Uber One, mm -hmm. and like they they I don't know. You save some money somehow, but they start to send you these offers. They're like, hey, like since you're an Uber One guy, like two for one tacos if you want. Yeah, oh, wow. This is like fucking. We're gonna send you a pizza just. And if it. you're smart with that shit, you can get like forty dollars worth of food for like eight bucks. What? Yeah. I'm gonna have to. Gabby's really good at that stuff. I will. Uh, she she's really good at it. But we're also to the point like, if this is gonna take more than a half hour, then it's just not worth it. Like yeah. I'll just pay for. But anyway, so oh. like, li listen. Bottom line is. Bottom like, line. You have a kick-ass life. Yes, I know. I need to get my head I, on my ass. I also have a kick-ass life. Yeah. Right. Like you're unpacking your new house. I'm going on a trip tomorrow with my beautiful wife to Montana. I'm not worried about getting Just dope chill. sick. I'm right. not worried about smuggling drugs through the airport. Like, and listener at home, if you're listening and you're like, fuck these dudes bragging about this shit, we're not. We're not yeah. bragging. Because the lives that we have today came as a result of, of getting into a life of recovery. Right. That was offered to us by... Uh, treatment centers by people in the rooms of recovery. Yeah, a lot of and, step stuff. And at the end of the day, like we're, you know, if you're in a dark place, we're we're offering that to you too. It's available to you. Yeah, it's available to us all. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't have to be treatment. It's it's you know, working steps. And you know, my sponsor will tell me stop being such a insert word there. Like, what word? Uh, I'm not going to say it on here, but like, you know, for me, like, stop being such a little. Oh. Yeah. Like, get yeah. your head out of your ass. Yeah. Like, if you're not grateful for everything you have and you're feeling like shit, get out there and fucking help somebody. Yeah. Get out there and do something yeah. about it. Fuck yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Woe is me about your fucking life. Yeah. You have a great life. Yep. Speaking of great lives. Speaking of great lives. Great tattoos. He's got two moms. He's got an extra mom. Yeah. How cool is that? That is pretty cool. Yeah. I forgot to tell him. Like, now that's like... Anyway. Our guest today is is uh, a beautiful individual. 
shares with us a really cool story of recovery with with some some topics that we don't get into all the time. Right. You know, some yeah. interesting experiences outside of kind of the the traditional addiction story. Um, he's a man in recovery. He is a RU alumni, now RU employee. I love it. You know, we say he works in admissions, but you know the official name of the admissions office. Life Saving Center. It's the Life Saving Center. He works in the Life Saving Center for Recovery Unplugged. Um, he's a guy who's really on the front line. Yeah. You know, um, there to pick up the phone when someone first makes that decision. Right. They're going to try and to get some help. So staying on topic here, yeah. um, you've helped people get into Recovery Unplugged before, yeah, right? Like yeah, in your personal yeah, life and, and yeah. dealt with... The people in the Life Saving Center, yeah. like on that level, yeah. and I have too, and sometimes it's my first encounter with these people, yeah. and they're always just so like, oh, this is a friend of yours, it's great, we're going to keep you informed, blah, blah, and then, so you get to kind of see what the family members go through when they're getting yeah. their loved one in the treatment, like yeah. you're included, if the person wants you to be included, mm-hmm. um, you know, in informing being informed about what the next process is, what they're doing, even down to like they made it on the plane, they're on their way here, they got picked up from the airport. Like you can inform, like yeah, you're, you're part of the process and yeah. the, the life saving center. It's fu- we're a well oiled machine at Recovery Unplugged. Every Oily. department, <laughs> every department. Um, Knows what they're doing. They have the they have the right people for the right jobs at Recovery Unplugged. Yep. And today's guest is one of those people. One of those people, ladies and gentlemen. Without any further ado, I give to you, Mister Brian Sloan. Mister Brian, Brian Sloan. Brian Sloan. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. Beaming in through the interwebs all the way from a magical land known as Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How's it going, man? It's going, man. It's going. It's my day off. So, you know, soaking it up. All right. Thanks for thanks for letting us interrupt your day off here. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a pleasure to be interrupted on Monday <laughs> by some work shit. So Brian is a coworker of ours at Recovery Unplugged. He works at well tell tell us why don't you tell us what you do at Recovery Unplugged, Brian? <clears throat> yeah, so I'm on the front line of the admissions. So I take the initial calls. I have to run the insurance. I basically have to get you approved with our doctors for treatment. So and I would imagine that you have to do a lot of back and forth with people who are, because if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of times you'll get a third person calling, not the person who's actually going to treatment, like a loved one, a mother. A, Absolutely, a, a mother, spouse. wife. Right. So yep. uh, I'd imagine a lot of your job is trying to, A, do what you have to do to get this person into treatment, and then B, kind of back up the person who's trying to get their loved one into treatment and try to convince them a little bit yep. more, right? So yep. that that definitely takes some uh, special skills, some patience, and I think it always helps when somebody has been through it before. So you are a person in recovery, correct? I am, yep. All right. So I met Brian in person a few months back. I went down to Florida and um, our first, our first time. At that time, I invited you to come do something in Austin, and you went to Florida instead. Maybe yeah. uh, it happens a lot. You know, I'm a, I'm a man on the go, Joe. So if you, you catch me if you can, you know. Yeah. But no, the first time that Brian and I actually got to meet, I was there with the camera crew and like followed him around, and he was a little nervous, but uh, you know, it was a it was a good way to meet him because we we have, we had talked before, and he's always uh always helpful whenever you need anything in the marketing department so good guy so i don't know this is always exciting for me because like i you know the admissions team for the most part like except for the ones who've been with ru for like several years right you know like i never meet them in person and sometimes we don't even talk on the phone but we have these full-on conversations on uh salesforce and email and 
sometimes admissions is my best friend and sometimes admissions is my worst enemy. <laughs> it just kind of, I, I think yeah. it goes both ways though. I think sometimes they're like, it's thank a love you. hate. It's yeah. a love hate. Yeah. Sometimes they're like, Joseph, thank you so much. You rock. And sometimes I know they're like, fucking Joseph. Joseph won't approve a dog. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? We can't let this couple be roommates and bring their pet chipmunk to treatment. <laughs> to support chipmunk. <laughs> to support chipmunk. <laughs> Uh, but Brian, let, let's rewind a little bit, though, man. I mean, yeah, I think it'd be good later, like, to talk about some admission stuff because I think a lot of family members and loved ones want to know, like, yeah, you know, my kid's shooting heroin. How do I make him go to rehab? You know, or yeah. What is, yeah. but but before that, like, I think the the greatest value everybody in the world, but everybody also on the RU team brings is like who they are, right? That personal experience. So, like, um, first off. Are you a Florida native or are you one of the many magical transplants to Florida? I'm a Virginia transplant. Virginia, right on. Mm -hmm. yep. You know what's weird? To me, Virginia is very far north, but Virginia is actually considered the south. Yeah. It, the south, yep. It, it, it's further north yet somewhat more southern than most of right? like, like Miami, for yeah. instance. Yeah. So, uh, Grew up the son of a coal miner, right? That's West. That's West Virginia. <laughs> I don't fucking know the difference. How far Definitely is West, West Virginia from Virginia? I mean, it's Next it's door. a little bit west. Yeah, yeah. It's like closer than Houston. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All right, I'm sorry. So, uh, so let's start there, man. You're from Virginia, you know. Tell us about, uh, you know, what 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 were you, what was little Brian like growing up? What was the family like? Man, uh, so I was like adopted when I was ten days old. So, you know, I guess I kind of had abandonment issues from, from the get, but you know, I was rambunctious. I was ADHD. Um, I was diagnosed with like, uh, you know, anxiety, depression at a real early age, you know, elementary school. Wow. So, um, you know, my, my genetics, uh, both my parents, like my biological parents were, you know, addicts. So it's kind of in my blood, you know, so to say, I guess. So, um, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't particularly a good student in school or anything, you know, I, my ADHD got the best of me. I wasn't able to pay attention. Um, yeah, it was for the most part, like a quiet, quiet, medicated kid. Yeah. So, 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 you know, you mentioned that you're adopted, you're so, and that your birth parents were both addicts. So have you yeah. ever had the opportunity to have any contact with them or do you know who they are? Is it one of those kind of. No, so it's it's kind of weird. Like I was 25. I'll never forget this. I was like I was shopping for groceries in Colorado when I lived there. <clears throat> and uh I got a call, you know, from some some broker. She's like, "Hey, I found like a birth relative of you." And I'm like, "Hey, this is probably a scam. You know, right. don't hit me again." Anyways, they say, "Hey, no, sign this uh release of information." Turns out it was my mom. You know, I haven't spoken to her my whole life. So um, turns out she's down here in Florida, about three hours from me. We've met several times. She's awesome. Oh wow! So wow. Yeah. So was she was she looking for you? Or she was. Yeah, she was. Yep. Wow. Um, well, you don't hear that one. No, that, no. Yeah, that that's probably the first time that I've heard that. And she was able to, uh, you know, you you were able to accept whatever she she had to offer as far as you know, giving the reasons why and and. That that yeah, you don't hear that very yeah. often. Was it did that did that do a lot for you getting some sort of closure on that? And I'd imagine even seeing what it would do for her was pretty beneficial for you as well. Yeah, it was uh it was like almost life changing, you know. We we started talking that day. She flew out, you know, a couple days later, we met in person, you know, just kind of hit it off from there. It was like, you know, twenty five years of not knowing you. Right. You can't soak it up in one week, you know. I it's just it's a forever going process still so and is she in recovery now because you said that she had some issues she is yeah oh, wow. she's got a few years now okay yep. that's awesome mm -hmm. so so one of the big questions that they always have with addiction is like you know the nature versus nurture thing right like how much a role does genetics play in this and so clearly you've got the genetics but what was uh what was your adopted family like um, so I actually come from a pretty, pretty, you know, good family. My, my father was an anesthesiologist. My mom was a school teacher. Um, my dad worked long hours, you know, being a doctor is kind of stressful for him. So, 
um you know he would come home kind of angry bringing his cases home with him you know so i saw a lot of kind of i don't know i guess abuse at an early age so um but my my mom was my rock you know what i'm saying she's always been there for me i call her every day still you know i, I had to call her yesterday you know always just a mama's boy so yeah any siblings uh yeah so adoptive wise you know on my adoptive side i have a brother and sister and then um like my blood side i have a brother and sister as well oh wow okay now when when you first met your birth mother were you already in recovery or were you still kind of still out there i was still out there yeah yeah and i I was i was open about it you know i never i don't know i wasn't like a closeted addict so to say right did was she of any help to you when you decided to uh to get clean or support wise she definitely supported it and she pushed me towards it you know several times until i finally just you know on my own i was like all right i'm gonna come to ru and you know get my life straight so right on right so okay so getting back to your childhood right so you said you're young kid you know got diagnosed with a bunch of stuff pretty young got medicated for that and you know i hear a lot of people who get diagnosed with ADHD as a kid, you know, that when they first get given, you know, whatever medication for it, that like, it's like life changing, you know, like you talk to their families, they're like, it's like different kid overnight. Is that what you experienced? I mean, I was so young, but I know that I wasn't like myself. I was so medicated that I was just kind of like in a zombie like state. Wow. So like I was socially awkward, you know, I was picked on because of it, you know, I wasn't really liked until like, you know, I don't know, my teenage years, so to say. Yeah. And and so at what point do you start to feel, you know, at what point does, you know, drugs and alcohol start to enter the picture for you? Oh, um, I got shipped off to military school when I was 13. Oh, which one? Uh, Fishburn Military School in Virginia. Right on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you got shipped off to military school. So I, something must have been going on because I mean, for for your adopted family who like went and sought you out to decide, like, you know what, we need a little space. Yep. For <laughs> no, I was uh, I was thirteen years old. I was already involved with the courts. I was stealing. I was getting into fights at school. I actually ran like a candy racket at school. Yeah, just fucking candy kingpin. It's stupid, man, but you know, it was making me money in fifth grade. So, little Scarface, you know, just stupid stuff, stupid shit. But, um, yeah, so military school came around and I was like, you know, I'm 13 years old and I'm with like seniors, these 18 year olds, like already got facial hair, smoking cigarettes behind staff's back, like pot, you know what I'm saying, drinking. So naturally, I'm exposed to that very early and attracted so. to it, right? Like these are the kids that you start to look up to. And you're like, oh, that's yep, that's who I want to yep. be. Exactly. So I actually, you know, we get a f- almost every client that I've ever worked with who had like a boarding school or a military school experience ends up having to talk about some kind of trauma that they experienced while at the boarding school you know Mm -hmm. from like hazing shit to like oh yeah abuse you know sexual abuse psychological abuse like all that kind of stuff to where i don't know boarding schools just make me yeah (laughs) i'm nervous man no experience with like save your money save your money Um, it's like it it, it, it. it sounds like it almost always kind of turns into like a Lord's Lord of the Flies situation, right? Right. Like, like the adults think they're in charge, but they really, yeah. Because I mean, you can only be supervised, yeah, so many hours throughout yeah. the day. Yeah, there's some kid who's like slinging black market Kit Kats who really fucking oh, <laughs> runs that. For, shit. Yeah, he's Kit Kat Kingpin over here. We're talking to. <laughs> did you carry that racket onto military school, or did you leave that behind? Um, I left the candy racket, you know, I got tied up in school for that. So, um, but no, I, I did, I did graduate to selling other things in military school. Okay. All right. So So starting to get into trouble, you said you were kind of picked on when you were a little bit younger. Is that when you started getting into fights because of that? Um, yeah, it, it, 
So I'm, I mean, I would get picked on like so much that, you know, I, I, it's hard. It's weird, man. So I just finally snapped and was like, all right, you know, I got to stand up for myself. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm not a big dude. You know what I'm saying? I'm like five, eight, 150 pounds. <clears throat> so, you know, I got shoved around as a kid by all the bigger, bigger cats, you know? So, yeah. So you kind of learned how to defend yourself yep. a little bit young. Yep. And that, exactly. when that happens, when you realize like, oh, wow, okay, I can do this. I could, I could take care of myself. It kind of gives you a little bit of bravado. And then at some point it stops becoming just like, I'm going to wait for somebody to pick on me. It's like, what the fuck are you looking at? You know, it, it, yep. you get a little bit of that yeah. going and especially well, being a little guy. You know? Was that, was that your move? The, uh, like, I'm going to blow up real big before you can even start the shit to kind of kind of yeah 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 so <clears throat> so you go to military school to get straightened out and instead you you become better at what you were doing anyway right you graduate from from selling you know i don't know kit kats and twinkies and whatever the <laughs> fuck else to, to to selling some drugs um <laughs> you know yep. what's you know, so what did you graduate from military school? Like, is that where you did your whole high school career? Did you eventually convince your family you had reformed and got to go back home? Yeah. So, I mean, my, a couple of my buddies got kicked out for hazing, you know, and I was like selling with them. So I just, I, I saw them get kicked out. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm kicked out too, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, and, next and thing I know, I ended up in like, uh, you know, public schools and that was just, you know a mistake so yeah so what starts to happen when you get back into public schools um i started skipping school i was selling drugs at school um i was only showing up to sell drugs at school yeah, you gotta be where the uh, market is right exactly yeah. and um i eventually got caught i got put on probation um i violated that pro probation this is all before i'm 18 um so my probation officer like pulls me into into her office one day he's like hey you know you're fucking up bad like we gotta do something with you and uh like ships me to a wilderness camp Ooh, for an oh, entire year that's another place that people have all yeah, kinds of trauma like from some outward bound yep, kind yep. of thing yeah basically a manual labor camp for teenagers so yeah, yeah. where was that at that was also in Virginia. It was okay. in a city called Dillwyn. So was it like, so a lot of those those uh, behavior modification, boys ranches, whatever you want to call them, like they run on the old therapeutic communities model where there's like a lot of like peer-to-peer -peer accountability expected and there's like some sort of point system, right? Where like every time you do yep. something wrong, you like lose a point or you gain points and... uh um and then yeah some sort of like structured like labor and it's usually pretty like pointless labor yeah super pointless digging up tree stumps just to put them back in the ground and then cover it back up yes yes so so it that's a it's a psychological thing I, you know the, sounds like, like, like they they ha it's something that has no purpose or meaning to it yeah. on purpose just the discipline you know in the most extreme way i guess yeah <clears throat> so coming out of that you know did you so i mean i just you know i used to work with with adolescents you know back in the day and most of the adolescents that we got referred were you know cps involved with the courts somehow and you know i eventually had to get out of doing that because like it felt like especially the kids who were coming from the system like what we were doing was like actually making things worse right like Helping helping criminals become better criminals, mm. helping drug addicts become better drug addicts. You know, the you know, little pothead fourteen year old gets wrapped up in the system. Now he's meeting the sixteen, seventeen year olds who are shooting heroin, right, and getting into that. And you know, it, it, you know, was your experience with that kind of similar to that? Absolutely. I saw you know, I saw all these older dudes doing it, and I was like, oh, they're cool. You know, like. They're, they're, they have lots of friends or they got girlfriends, you know what I'm saying? So why not? Yeah. Maybe I'll be cool. <laughs> yeah. So stupid, but yeah. Was, was that one of the driving factors for you is like, you know, almost like trying to find some way to like get in with a crowd and like be 
yeah i think that stems from that childhood like being picked on kind of you know kind of wanting to feel wanted so well even i i would even like take it further back you know and be like you know from from being adopted and like that initial you know that i like because i had it like my parents divorced right so i wasn't adopted my parents divorced and i always had this thing of like well why didn't my dad like want me like why didn't he want to be around me almost like that very famous fresh prince episode which one when when will's dad comes to visit and then will's dad leaves without saying goodbye oh. and he yells at, at at uncle phil and he's like why don't he want me man no nobody <laughs> nah, oh. sorry Whatever. I cool. <laughs> anyway i i don't know i look at like my story and like a lot of it is driven by like this desire to like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, exactly. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, 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 I can relate to the feeling. Yeah. You know, the the separation anxiety, the abandonment issue. Yeah, and yeah. wanting to fill that void with you know, and, and what can you at that age? You know, like being on finding the streets, finding you know some sort of purpose to fit in, and having a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, what better way to like show you what I could do, you know, yeah. like I'm going to be a fucking drug dealer. I'm yeah. going to be a cool guy and fight people and yeah, all that stuff. So eventually graduate high school. Yeah. Uh, GED. GED. And then yeah. where did things, you know, you know, where did things start to progress to, to the point, you know, I, I'm always curious, like, you know, I'm, the people <clears throat> around you, start to see like, hey, you know, Brian's got some problems, you know, but uh, so often, right, like the addict is the last one to admit or, or understand like, oh shit, like things are not good. Yeah. You're just like, oh, at, what, at, at what point in your life, at what age is it that you start to realize like, this is not working for me, something has to change? Like when I, like when I decided on treatment or when I just knew something was probably before, yeah. like when, when you started just thinking like, maybe you weren't ready to stop, but knowing like, it's not sustainable, it's probably not the best decisions that you're making. Cause it, it's, cause I mean, fuck for me, it was at least seven years from the day that I realized like, I can't do this anymore to the last day I actually did it. Yeah. Know? Like I knew yeah. I was fucked from the first time I shot heroin, but I still kept doing it for like six more years. Right. You know, um, there's probably like 2016 for me and I was probably like, you know, two, three years in deep using. Right. And I didn't, I didn't get clean until 2022. So, right. Right. You know, I, I, I self detox so many times, man, so many times and it never works. It, you know, it's, it's no, it's, cause it, it's, you know, I talk about this a lot when I, you know, work with guys who are, who are just trying to get clean and, you know, try their different ways. And I'm like, it, the hard part about doing that is it's not the 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 real fucking sickness like when you can't get out of bed when you're throwing up because that there's so much going on that it kind of consumes you it's that little yeah. dull uncomfortable feeling that won't go away like your pits are sweaty you can't eat you're not going to the bathroom right it's lasting like 2 3 weeks and it's just like I'll get some shit at the gas station that'll just make me feel just a little bit better. Get some fucking Kratom or get like, Ugh. try to get like one Vicodin or something like that. And it's all, that that was my thing is like, I, I would detox and go through like the hell of it and go through like, unlike Joseph who can detox in like three days. Fucking we, four days, I'm we, good. We talked about bro. that. For me, it's like a month, <laughs> month and a half. Yep. And I'm just yep. like, I just now, feel- Now look, the last time I detoxed, I was fucking 24 years old. So I'm almost 40 now. That's it might be true. different. It would probably be, see, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> that That's probably a good point. Cause I was, you know, in my thirties when I started like detoxing and yeah. stuff. But it's that little, just that little dull feeling that makes me want to get just a little something. And then once I would get that little something, I mean, it would hit my lips and I'd be like, eh, this ain't going to do it for me. So yep. down to Overtown, yep. you know? Overtown. 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 Um, so, okay. So you, so you say it was like 2016. What's going on in your life that's that's making you finally come to the realization that like shit ain't working? In 2016? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you first kind of accepted oh, it. Oh, man. Uh, I experienced like my first 
like week of withdrawals mm-hmm. and i like i had psychosis i was having hallucinations yeah you know what i'm saying i dude i was i was a huge benzo guy so Ooh. oh that's rough Ooh. yeah yeah and i don't know so i was self-detoxing and i i'll never forget this particular dream i had and it was definitely psychosis but i was in china i was in china you know in some snowy mountain and i was trying to get donald trump to pardon me because <laughs> i didn't have my passport in china oh man so you know i called china. my mom i called my mom i told her about this like out of my dream like just total psychosis, dude. Just total. And and so you bag. were trying to detox like in an apartment, like just yep. straight up. Yep. Just cold turkey. But so from like 20 milligrams NX to nothing. But know? so like what happened? Like that's an extreme decision, right? Like to say, like, I'm gonna cold turkey's annex, I'm gonna lock myself in this apartment, like train spotting style, right? With like a bucket in the corner mm. for whatever goes down. Like, but <laughs> what makes you decide to do that? Man, as I, it's, I don't know, you know, it's, it's stopping. It's not wanting to feel like I need to take something to escape. You know, I can just be myself, but it's like, it's like Jason said, you know, you go through that whole withdrawal just to get that one dull moment. You know, you try to take something else to take it off your edge, but it's not it, yeah. you know? And so you go through the whole week withdrawals just to relapse. Yep. And if you're doing 20 milligrams of Xanax per day, I'm assuming that you're pretty barred out up into that point. So, you know, whatever feelings you have, you might not even remember. Cause I mean, nope. that that is just, and I, I was never, I mean, I did a ton of fucking Xanax, but I never liked it very yeah. much. But I was in, I, I just, that that thing that some people get when they're on Xanax, like I I've heard so many times, like I don't know what happened. I just, you know, I I took a Xanax, and next thing I know, I'm fucking robbing a pharmacy. Yeah. Like, or it, it makes people want to fucking steal yeah. shit, and it it's just Listen, some some of the worst days and nights of my life started with popping a Xanax. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, like I didn't. I didn't hustle and steal and get dope sick for Xanax, but Xanax caused some fucking problems. Yeah. But so, you know, we don't talk about benzos a lot on this show, but I I think it's important, you know, for like the viewers at home to understand that while, while Hollywood portrayals may make you think that like heroin detox is the worst thing in the world, like the worst heroin detox will not kill you. Right. However, however, a benzo detox super dangerous or, al- or alcohol benzos and alcohol i mean i mean benzos are basically liquid alcohol i mean alcohol in yeah. pill form you know yeah. um but like uh risk of uh, seizures risk of uh, cardiac arrest like you really could die like detoxing yourself off of benzos or alcohol is super dangerous and one of the worst things and i think you guys were starting to kind of touch on it a little bit is that like with with the benzos like you turn down all your emotions to like zero right not just because you're high but because like your brain literally stops making you know all these different neurotransmitters and stuff so when people get off benzos like the emotional regulation piece takes forever to come back like six months to a year for some people and you're basically like an exposed wire like any any small emotion like triggers much bigger emotions and it's super difficult um even like with treatment and therapy and everything like benzos are incredibly challenging yeah so for from a professional standpoint then what does what do what's suggested for someone when they're in their the early recovery for from from benzos lots of like real basic like coping skills like you know everybody's different on what works for them but like things like thought stopping techniques counting breathing mindfulness um even like uh basically anything that that can interrupt like the the train of the emotion mm-hmm. right like emotions are like a like a like a wave typically right so like for someone who's come off of benzos in their first year, typically those emotions aren't necessarily a wave, they're much more like a tsunami. So it's like, how do I 
hold on through this and interrupt this and make that wave crash. Right. Right. So like adult coloring books, exercise, running, like whatever thing that someone can learn to do to interrupt that wave is, is kind of the best you can do until your brain naturally starts to repair itself. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so first off, like, I mean, much respect for having the determination to like, detox yourself off of benzos and it sounds like from like a really internally motivated place like it wasn't like oh man like my old lady's getting on my case or like i'm in legal trouble you it sounds like you were just like i'm tired of this yeah yeah i definitely was and after experiencing withdrawals i was like you know i i felt so close to death that i was comfortable i was welcoming it you know i was like i don't ever want to feel like this again yeah right so and and you know, people talk, I think for the normies, it's tough for them to hear someone say like, wow, it was made me want to die. And I didn't ever want to feel like that again, but I got high again, like a day later. Right. And it took another six years before you got done with it. So like, you know, I think, you know, like what's the longest that you put together before ultimately getting clean? Um, is in like sobriety time. Yeah. Or just abstinence, whatever you want to call it. I mean, really, no more than a few months. Yeah, you know? but that's still pretty substantial, you know. Like for for a guy like me, for a guy who used like I used, like a couple of days was a big deal. Like it was yeah. one of those things, like I could physically stay away from it for for a few days or for a month or whatever. But there's always that little thing where the reservation or whatever you want to call it that it's, and it just seemed like it was such a hairpin trigger for me to just go from doing the right thing, trying to do the right thing, wanting to do the right thing to I'm dope sick again already. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even know how, you know, and it, 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 it would just go off the rails so fast like that so many times. So, so those couple months you were able to put together, you know, I'm assuming not working any kind of program or anything, just kind of. Yeah. I mean, I, I tried treatment, you know, and I actually AMA from some place in Virginia, but I got out and I was like, you know, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. You know, two months goes by, three months goes by, however long, you know, I'm, I'm back to trying like fentanyl, like, you know, smoking crack. It's just like, I, I don't know. It's crazy. And, and, and that's, that's the part that people don't get, right. Is that like, without, at least for me, right. Like without a program, without doing some work on myself, right. Like my internal condition without drugs is so horrible that like, eventually it's like, you know what, smoking crack, shooting some, that's, that seems like, like the best option right now. Yeah. You know, and like, and we're not, none of us are stupid people. I've never met a stupid drug addict, right? Like met a couple, but not many. We're we're all fairly intelligent people. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, some are like, I've met some fucking genius, but like we all get to a point where like the way I feel inside is so shitty that like almost killing myself with drugs is probably the best option right now. Yeah. You know, for feeling how I feel. Um, so what gets you ready to, so, so is that during the period of time when you first meet your mom, where you're like kind of getting on drugs, off of drugs, on drugs, off of drugs? No, I was kind of, I was kind of like, I was a couple years in, I, you know, I I had already been through withdrawals at this point, you know, I think I was using lightly, you know, and there's no such thing as using lightly to me now. Right. But, um, like I, I can remember parts of my trip with her, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like I can remember parts of that. That that was one of the the light days. Yeah. So for something that emotional too, and you're kind of like a bit numb to it being being sort of barred out. You know, did did when you ultimately got clean? Did that did that come back to you? Like, because I know for me, a lot of stuff that I didn't realize was like traumatic in my life. Well, once I got clean, I was like, oh man, that was pretty, that was pretty fucking heavy. Like now I have to yeah. process this. I could imagine that on the opposite end of the spectrum, something like a, a good occasion like that could probably, you know, work the same way. That shit still hits me every, like, you know, every so often. I thought about it the other day, I was like, wow, like I really went 25 years without knowing 
you know, who I was, like my genetics, my, you know, even my nationality. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even know I was Irish and Hungarian for yeah. 25 years. So, but you were like, that explains why I love Guinness. <laughs> or, that explains why I have the sh shamrock tattoo on my face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean, I don't think we can really like under, uh, you know, not underestimate like, but the lack of connection to a mom is like one of the most, you know, challenging things a human can have. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, Mother's Day is like the busiest day in restaurants across the country for a reason. Right. Because like everybody loves their mama. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, having that nurturing of a mom from like a, from like a physical chemical level, like when you're first born, you know, is, is really, it's, it's important for like how we form as human beings. Mm -hmm. So I can see yeah. how, how like still thinking about that, like that is wild, but then getting the opportunity to get to meet her and have a relationship that, that's even wilder. Yeah. Yeah. But so, okay, so you've, so let's get you sober, man. Like, so you finally, uh, so six years, you're kind of doing this, this dance around it, right? Kind of maybe doing a little treatment, detoxing yourselves, getting a couple yeah. months. And then, you know, six years into that, you decide like, this is it. This is like my once and for all shot. Like what's going on there when you decided to really, really do it? Mm, I was in Richmond, Virginia and I was... You know, this is a couple of years ago, last year, 22. And uh, my brother was a client with us with Recovery Unplugged as well. Uh -huh. um, so he had been pushing me for, you know, the past couple of years. He's like, come on, man. Like, I don't, I don't really fuck with you. You're still using, you know. Um, my parents had been begging me to go to, to treatment. And I, like, I had like a, like a kind of like an overdose, like in a seizure. I split my plug open. So I have like a split ear now and I was just, you know, I was so pissed at myself for getting back on Xanax and so heavily. And, you know, like I said, I'd picked up crack, I'd picked up fentanyl. So I was just, I was really down, dude. I was like, you know, I went to my mom's house, I think, you know, like that night and I was like, Hey, you know, I need help. I like, I, I can't, like, I want to, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be on earth anymore. Like I just, want to use it until I can't, mm -hmm. so to say. And, uh, you know, my brother came up and started talking to me. He's like, dude, just go to recovery unplugged. You know, they got the best staff. It's comfortable. They got private chefs, you know, just the whole, the whole just work. Just really selling you on it. Yeah. 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 You know, he should be admissions himself, yeah. but he's not, you know what I'm saying? But, um, I don't, I don't know. I was just like, it was my mom's birthday too. I remember that. So my clean date's my mom's birthday. So wow. I was like, I was like, fuck it. Let's fly out tomorrow and just do it. You know, they had a bed. So I was like, I'm out. Yeah. So. That feeling when you get a bed, yeah. it's <laughs> it's great. I mean, I've been through it, you know, 20 times at least. So and every time it can every time, like <laughs> when when you when you find out like they have a bed, there's that <clears throat> there's this relief that it's just like maybe things will get better. Yeah. You know, Ryan, as you were talking though, you know, my Maybe. My last day using, you know, I, I was living at my mom's house, you know, I was out of money, you know, I was about to start pawning shit to start getting drugs. And I went to my mom and I was like, ma, like I'm fucked up. I want to get sober. I will go to rehab. I need 20 bucks <laughs> real quick. <laughs> and then just tell me what to like, um, and then I don't care after that. Just tell me, you know? And I, and I went and she gave me money. I went and fixed. I got back and she's like, here, talk to this guy on the phone. <laughs> they got a bed for you tomorrow. You got to do a pre-screen. And, and you're like, okay, let me get 20 more bucks before this pre-screen. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like it, it was the first time for me that like no one, no one came to me and was like, you need to get sober. Right. right. You know, I, I wasn't in jail that the judge said, like, you need to sign this and go straight to rehab to get released. Like, none of that shit. It was the first time that I actually went and I was like, like, I am fucked up, mom. Like, help me go somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And that was like, the that was it. That was the last time. That was it. Yeah. And I mean, your mom was instrumental in you going oh, to yeah, treatment absolutely. too, right? She, yeah. Because she had, she, she knows people who 
<laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And God, how many times I did that? I just need 20 bucks. Like I would I would write notes and be like, never give me money again after this 20 bucks. And she has like a stack of them. <laughs> At one point I-, I was living with my mom and she'd gotten me a job with the school district. I was working the front desk at an elementary school. And I had my poor mom like so codependent and sick that like I would wake up in the morning and there was $20 sitting on my nightstand because she was like, so he can go get fixed up without trying to steal from anybody or do anything stupid. And I'm like, we should save this episode and just do it for Mother's Day. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to all the moms. Shout out to all the moms. Three three baby boys doing okay right now. Yeah, we're doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you go to treatment, you go to RU, and and I mean this this show is not about like, oh my god, RU so fucking awesome, but like, but it is so awesome. It but is. but like, what was different about your experience there? You know, man, my thing was the staff. Like, I felt, I truly felt welcomed. You know, like they, like I came in, dude, and I was, I was ready to punch someone the fuck out, dude. Like if you look at Kipu and, and can find my photo on there, I can I find it. Ang- yeah. yeah. I look <laughs> angry, dude. They, um, you know, Zach wouldn't come up to me for three days because I just, I was angry. <laughs> He's like, so. not and, and for our viewers at home, Kipu is our electronic medical record system that we use where, uh, and cause it's, cause it's online and it's on the internet. Everything on there lives forever. <laughs> HIPAA compliant. HIPAA compliant. Yeah, you can't. It's not like on the internet. Like you can't Google. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> but so you come in there and you're, even though you went willingly and voluntarily, you you were still given off the air, the aura of like, do not fucking come near me. Yeah. So I, I had agreed. I was like, all right, I'll come down and do 30 days only. But I yeah. get to punch people going, in the face. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, we'll see if I'll take this shit seriously. I came down. You know, I think it was like Marissa, it was like Travis, Zach, a couple of the clients, you know, they were, they were just reaching out to me, mm-hmm. like making it a point to get me to talk to them. So I eventually, I just, you know, I broke my walls down. And I was like, what's up? I'm Brian. You know? Yeah. There, there's th- those, those were, when I was attack, those were the, your type was the, the kind of guy that I would get along with the best. Because yep. it was always like, maybe I'm not here to cause shit, but just don't fuck with me, you know? And, exactly, yeah. Uh, I think you, you met Austin, right? Austin Roush, the tattoo yeah. artist guy. Yep. So he was one of those guys. He wasn't necessarily like, I'm going to punch you in the face, but he's just like, I don't know why I'm here, man. I don't want to be here. I think you just like for sure broke his HIPAA. <laughs> <laughs> he was in PHP with my brother anyway, so I know all yeah, about him. Yeah, so you he's know. A, he's a great dude. Well, yeah. it's fine that you know, but it's just going on the internet. I will <laughs> I will make sure that he is okay with hey, it. But he, 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 you better have him sign some. I give Jason consent to use my name in the Recovery Unplugged podcast. So anyway, <laughs> Austin R., or should I say, a, no, let's just say uh, A. Roush. <laughs> <laughs> No, he was one of those guys, though. He was just completely like, I don't want to be here. Like, standoffish, always had a fucking face on. And then I ran into him, not the last time I was in Florida, but the time before I was I was leaving a meeting and I saw him and he was just this a different person, like 100 yeah. percent changed man like had a smile on his face was like happy to see me thanked me for like you know always being cool with him and just kind of giving him his space and i i didn't even recognize him at first and then i was like holy shit austin like because i mean not even like nothing physical but just when somebody gets that thing lifted off of them like they're smiling they're carrying themselves different i hope to be like that someday i hope you let us use that story (laughs) (laughs) but so so brian so we talked about how you'd put a couple months together before and we're kind of miserable and then eventually you're like i'm gonna get high again right you know yeah i'm assuming that that you you don't feel like that anymore right no no what 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 work did you do or what happened that helped you start to change that you know to where you can today feel comfortable in your own skin so i like i said i committed to that 30 days 
I did the 30 days and like, you know, during that 30 days, I was like, I'm going to stay. Yeah. I'm going to try and do PHP. I'm going to try and do IOP. You know, I ended up doing PHP and I came back to Virginia. I did virtual for, you know, the initial, what is it like two months? And then I got a scholarship to continue it. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. So it, it just was really helpful. I learned a lot of coping skills. I got a sponsor when I got out, um, you know, since my sponsor has, has gone back to treatment. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like sponsorless now, but I still hit meetings, you know, not, not necessarily a steps worker, but I definitely hit NA meetings. Well, that was going to be my next question is, are you an AA guy or an NA guy? He's losing Florida. Of course. Yeah, he's in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so what's it like for you now being on the other side of things, right? Like, you know, at one point you were the guy on the phone calling in, like I'm fucked up on you help. And now you're the guy that answers that call. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, man. It's every day is different. You know, I'm obviously I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful because like you said, that was me on the call and I was a stressed out one. You know, my mom was calling for me, mm -hmm. worried about me. And now like, you know, I, I'll get off my calls and I'm like, wow, you know, I'm super thankful. I'm not in that position anymore. Like and I just, I can never see myself going back to that after doing this kind of work. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And, and, you know, you get to talk to people and say, you know, with, in no uncertain terms, like I was in your position not that long yeah. ago. Like I was on a call with somebody. My mom was trying to get me into treatment. I wasn't sure I wanted to go. I knew I wanted to stop feeling the way that I was feeling, but I didn't necessarily want to go and have to go through the whole treatment thing. Yep. You know, so do you, so now that we have virtual services at Recovery Unplugged, um, we didn't have that when I when I was a client. The internet didn't exist. The internet. I went to <laughs> Pretty much, right? <laughs> um, Listen, I got sober before iPhones existed. Right? Were you you were uh, you would get some AOL Messenger time and and like maybe maybe like motherfuckers had Blackberries, right? You know? <laughs> but like, wow. But so, how do you? Go go through a little bit of what you would tell somebody if they're wondering what type of treatment for them, whether it be in person or virtual treatment. How do you how do you decide like maybe this person fits better for virtual, or maybe this person needs more more in person care? I mean, you know, you can usually tell by what they're reporting, you know, for usage wise. I mean, ultimately that comes down to our doctors. Um you know, but if someone calls in and they're like, hey, you know, I'm struggling with depression, anxiety only, you know, I'm going to recommend that that virtual program. I'm like, hey, you know, do you have an ideal setup at home? Like, are you open to doing like a virtual like three hours a day, three times a week kind of thing? And then I'll, I'll go into the spiel like, hey, I did it myself and it was very beneficial. Right you now. And I think this could do a lot for you as well. So, so, I, so I have questions about the virtual thing, right? Because. Yeah. I'm old. Um, for you doing it on the virtual, you know, did because my concern has always been like, how much are you able to connect with the other people? You know, like from you know, you said it right. The difference at RU was the staff, right? The, yeah. you know, the people that you connected with in treatment, like was was it? How was it? You know, having your your process group in a virtual setting where you'd never met any of these people in real life. Like how, how did that translate? I felt comfortable within my first hour. The whole thing about RU too is it's, it's not, it's not a huge program with, you know, an excessive amount of people. We got like 40, 50 clients, you know, it's not overwhelming. And with the virtual, I think, you know, at most there was maybe like 11 people in there, you know, and yeah. I don't know. The the group facilitate the <clears throat> the group facilitators that do the virtual are very engaging. You know they do they'll, they'll make sure that you do a check up with them. You know each morning. So right, um, it's it's yeah. So for you, there was like no there was no value lost in doing it online. No, not at all. I mean, I, I would have preferred to stay in Florida, but you know, I I, I chose to come home holidays so so what's life like now 
you know, what's, you know, out, outside of, you know, you didn't get sober j- just to work in treatment, right? Which is, although we like love what we do, right? Like there's more to yeah. life than just that. So, so what else, what other good stuff is going on in your life, man? Um, well, I mean, since getting sober, you know, I have, you know, an amazing relationship with my family again. They're all very accepting of me. Um, I, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm able to live again. You know, I'm, I'm not living in squalor thinking about my next fix or you know i'm i'm i don't know even on my day off like today i'm like i check up on my work emails to make sure my clients are getting in you know mm. um i don't know it's it's just it's everything's different to me now like you know i don't know my quality of life is actually there so yeah. that's awesome that's great that's beautiful yeah, yeah. About that time. Is it that time? I think it's that time. Is that? Do you know what time it is, Brian? I don't. It's rapid, rapid fire, fire question, question time. time. It's rapid fire question time. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go first with my favorite classic. Brian Ben and Jerry's wants to make an ice cream flavor based on you. What would you call that ice cream flavor, and what? flavors and toppings would you put in it um man probably just like a dirt cake with gummy worms what the fuck is a dirt cake what What What? with like oreos like ice cream like gummy worms you know okay okay all right yeah and what do you call it a dirt cake ice cream i don't know (laughs) (laughs) all right so you you've lived in florida for how long now since june give me a good florida man story that you've experienced mm, <laughs> like saw dude, saw a dude with an alligator at Publix or something <laughs> oh yeah i mean i don't know a couple a couple months ago there was like an alligator crossing the road that was holding up everyone so. yeah <laughs> made you late for <laughs> work <laughs> fucking alligators florida's a whole Fl- florida's like the the wild west to be honest it's just a different breed here so it is it's crazy. All right, Brian, what is your least favorite tattoo? Mm. Um, probably this anchor on my eye. I have like six laser sessions on it so far. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? What what is it about the anchor? Um, it's just the placing. It kind of looks, I don't know, a little degenerate, you know. I don't know. I was very high when I got it. And I was like, oh, cool. I look like, you know. That's the one. That's the one that people give you, give you the look like, oh, fuck, he's got an anchor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I just, I loved Popeye when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Supernatural story. You ever seen a UFO, a ghost, Bigfoot? Oh, damn it. <laughs> I swear I saw like a ghost in military school. We used to have, we had, used to have to do like guard, you know, once a month. And, uh, we'd have to do like a perimeter check of the whole entire campus. And, uh, that military school was around since like the 1870s. So there's like some weird shit going on there. And, uh, saw like an old soldier. Like, yeah, it was, it was weird. Wait, I'm curious. Like, what were you guarding against? Like, were y'all worried that the military school was going to get invaded <laughs> or what? who knows it's 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 a prep school for for (laughs) army marines whatever you know yeah so let's just make them wander around in the dark yeah (laughs) (laughs) put some hair on your chest all right last question man so brian you're having a rough day man you're stressed you're frustrated what's your go-to music to help you break out of that and Mm. get to a better spot man my musical taste is all over the place but probably like Ramirez or Bones or you know maybe like some indie music, you know maybe some emo music. There you go. Now you're speaking, Joe. Joseph, yeah, the emo. Once we get to the emo, Joseph. Joseph's eyeshadow just popped on. I was never one of those fucking scene kid emos. I was like a hot topic goth, a mall goth kid. Yeah, I was like a mall goth. Jingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jinkos and spikes and you know little chain wall. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Is that your kind of emo? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I had the spiked hair, all black, you know, stupid. So. <laughs> no, it wasn't stupid. It was awesome. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> Look back now, I'm like, Jesus, that was me. So we went to a haunted house right before Halloween, mm-hmm. and they had like a little store where you could buy t-shirts and shit, right? Mm-hmm. And it was called Haunt Topic. Haunt Topic. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, Brian, so, so the last thing we like to do on the show before we wrap things up is yeah. give you the platform for for a few minutes. So like whatever kind of like parting message you want to give to the viewers, if there's anything you want to promote, kind of just the floor is yours. Do your thing. Man, I, I don't know. If I had to say something, I just like I want to say, you know, to anyone that's watching this, like you're worth it. Give us a call. If you're struggling, you know, it's it's going to be tough right now. It's shitty right now. But, you know, make that call and let us see what we can do for you. Because I've been through it. My brother's been through it. You two have been through it. You know, we've saved countless lives and we'll keep doing it. You know, that's pretty much all I got. So that's good. No, thank you, man. Well, well Brian, thank you one more time for for taking time out of your day off. To, yeah, of course, to, to hop on Zoom and and talk with us on on the show here, and for being uh, open and vulnerable and sharing kind of your story with us and 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 our our seven listeners at home. Much more than that, my <laughs> mom. Just, eight. I'm, yeah, eight. Yeah. At least eight. Yeah, no, it's, it's more than that. I just it's, um, <laughs> and we'll go we'll go get a pub sub next time I'm in Florida. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Sounds good. Hot take: pub subs overrated. It's a Florida thing, though. Yeah. You know what? Nothing in Texas is overrated. No, Torchies is definitely not overrated. Torchies is garbage. <laughs> Torchies is trash. Torchies is trash, bro. We don't claim uh, that anymore. Fried out of fried avocado taco from Torchies. Torchies is like is is a representation of Austin, man. It was way New better. Austin. It was better yeah. fifteen years ago. Okay, I, I'll go with that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, to you, our loyal. Uh, what did we say we we're gonna call our viewers now? Toxies. Toxies to our loyal Toxies. All five of you. <laughs> to our loyal Toxies, thank you so much for tuning in, uh, for taking time out of your day to watch watch the show, listen to the show. Um, as always, you know wherever you listen to us, don't forget to like, follow, share, subscribe. It really helps us out to get the word out. Um, Hopefully we'll get seven more listeners on. Listen, we know for a fact that like this podcast has the capacity to change people's lives because almost a million views for some of our clips. But not even no, I'm not even talking that. Like we literally there was a review on the RU Florida who the dad was like, "I found this place cuz of this podcast and I my son is there and I love him and we're having a great experience and like legit, you know?" There you go. We're not just in a room talking to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, like, follow, share, subscribe. Um, thank you for listening. As we like to say here on Toxicology, there there's a thousand, a thousand ways, ways in, in and a, a thousand, thousand ways out. out. And we hope, hope you find yours. Yours. <laughs>